On this episode, art school, communism, and being out in the wild. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. Your hosts, Severia Tilden, Jeff Hester, and Jason Fitzpatrick. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Almost There Adventure podcast. Today, I am really excited to have amazing human and friend Patrick Dunn on the podcast with us. He is the founder of Out in the Wild Adventures, which creates community-based programs that teach outdoor technical skills in an inclusive and equitable environment. And Patrick, I'm going to have you... Tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do, and welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. This is very exciting. Of course. Um, I was just listening to the podcast, actually, on my drive back from California last week, which was really fun. Um, My name is Patrick. Um, I live in Bend, Oregon, and I'm originally from New Jersey. But uh, in 2020, I started Out in the Wild, which is basically a guide service and event company hosting LGBTQ inclusive um, climbing programs, both in Bend at Smith Rock and also in Joshua Tree and this year, hopefully in many more locations. But basically, the purpose of Out in the Wild is to um, make the outdoors more inclusive for the LGBTQ community, to create community and uh, teach LGBTQ folks more technical skills so that they can feel more comfortable and confident to get outside and do red stuff. Um, Yeah, that's basically all of it. <laughs> See, there's a lot more, but yeah. <laughs> well, let's get started. How, when did you start climbing? How did you get into it in the first place? Um, I started climbing when I was a teenager. Um, I grew up in New Jersey and my brother lived in New Hampshire when I was in high school. And I went to visit him. He was living in Manchester, New Hampshire. And I went to visit him and there was a climbing gym a couple blocks away from his house. And uh, so he took me there for the first time. And Basically, like every time I went to visit him, I'd go climbing and fell in love with it. And then when I went to college in Philadelphia, um, met a group of friends that also loved rock climbing. And we actually spent a lot of time buildering all over Philadelphia and climbing bridges and buildings. And um, so that was kind of how it all started. Yeah. Wait a minute. Did you say buildering? Yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. (laughs) I haven't done that in years, but when you're living in Philadelphia, that was definitely the thing to do, or at least for us, it was. So, so buildering, I'm going to just guess here because I haven't heard of this term, but I want to say it's, it's like bouldering, but on man-made structures. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. What what is the weirdest thing that you buildered on is there like a statue I, what would be the craziest thing you climbed i don't even remember it was yeah. so long ago um <laughs> i mean like it was a lot of like climbing on brick buildings where you're just crimping bricks basically um and yeah i mean we we did it mostly in the courtyard of our dormitory um in the college that i was going to um so we were we went to an art school and we were kind of we were kind of the weirdos in our art school because of that <laughs> 
It's not easy to be a weirdo in an art school, by the way. I mean, that's, you know, I, I, I went like, to art school and I know this. So, I, you know, yeah, isn't that like, a definition? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think for us, we, there people were like, you're rock climbing? What? Like, you're in art school? <laughs> Sports? Yeah. yeah. yeah what? Right, yeah. I guess that's kind of yeah. square for art school in a way, right? Yeah. You're, exactly. You're supposed to be doing other, like, you know, other experimental right. things, not with, uh, right. not, not climbing or outdoorsy stuff. Totally. But yeah, but so I started climbing back then and then kind of like didn't really do it very consistently until I was about 25 years old after I moved to Santa Cruz, California. Um, And mostly my whole like outdoor experience and and kind of journey has been interesting because the outdoors has been something I've loved for a long time. But being a gay man, I kind of felt like didn't really feel like I belonged in that world. And so it wasn't until really I moved to Santa Cruz that I started meeting more people like me and really just like dove into it. And um, so it was really there that I feel like my life as a climber um, and outdoors enthusiast really blossomed. And did you climb like around Santa Cruz or, or would you like go to the Sierra or go, or I guess, yeah, Pinnacle is not too far from there. Right. Yeah. So, uh, well, I started climbing at the gym there and then actually the first place I climbed outside in California was in uh, a Donner summit outside of Lake Tahoe. And then, yeah, I climbed at Pinnacles quite a bit, but mostly went to Yosemite Valley and the East side, um, around Bishop. And then also this really cool place called Shed Eye Ridge. Um, that's actually a spot that I, first started lead climbing and, um, and trad, trad leading, um, which was, it was a really, it's a really cool spot. It's very remote. Not like many people know about it, but it's a very cool area just South of Yosemite Valley. Um, so what brought you from the, from Northern California up to the Pacific Northwest? Um, so I moved to Bend basically with the intention of starting out in the wild, even though it wasn't, the name wasn't there. Like I didn't know what it was going to be, but, my time. So <laughs> prior to me moving to Bend and my time in Santa Cruz and for the 10 years prior to moving to Bend, I was actually an organic farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, that was basically what I was, what I chose to do with my life was I started doing it in Philadelphia doing urban ag work. And then I moved to Santa Cruz to work on some organic farms there. And then as I, my interest in climbing and backpacking grew, I noticed this, problem that there weren't very many queer people in rock climbing and backpacking and just the outdoors in general. And so I was like, wow, it'd be really cool to start something where I can get more queer people in the outdoors and rock climbing. And, but to do that, I had to have some experience in guiding. And so I actually got a job working for a wilderness therapy company here in Bend called Evoke Wilderness Therapy. And so that's what brought me here. And that was basically like my entry into the guiding world. Um, and also Ben being so close to Smith rock, I knew that it was a place that I think would, that I thought would be a good place to start out in the wild. And, and how long, how long has it been? When did you start it? How long have you, have you had that? Uh, so it's been two years now. I started it in October of 2020. Mm-hmm. One of During the many the pandemic. Pen- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had lots of time on my hands to, to start. I mean, I had started like working on, on things, before the pandemic, but really launched it in October of 2020, which launching it meant that I made stickers and sold them on Instagram via my Venmo account. So, yeah. Uh, so I think that during that period of time, that's about when 
they said you can it's safe to go out in, in the outside and do things outdoors <laughs> so that's probably a good time to kind of like start doing that and I think that was uh, that has that turned out to be a good thing for your organization like because there were so many people who were like reintroducing themselves or maybe discovering the outdoors for the first time during the pandemic Did yeah I think I, I think it, I mean I definitely think that I've been like riding that wave um, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's a hard question to answer because I, I think that like we've had a lot of really amazing interest, but it's also been been hard to get our programs full. But I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But so like yes and maybe no. I don't. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. I think that for a lot of other companies that is the case, but for Out in the Wild, it's been interesting to to. It's like we have to convince queer people that rock climbing is safe <laughs> and that they should come and do our programs. Because I think that historically people are like, rock climbing is scary. Like just rock climbing itself is scary. And then the idea that to that rock climbing is also historically been a very like heteronormative and very like machismo, very like uh, toxic space that a lot of queer people I think are like, I don't want to go there. Like, so I think that it's, been interesting for us to try to convince people to come participate in our programs yeah i think too like when you when you're doing something outdoors that's scary like rock climbing right if you've never done it before there's this layer of vulnerability right that mm -hmm. you know you're going to be exposed to and like there's this layer of just i'm going to have to trust people and i'm going to have to you know put myself out there like just yeah. even just to focus on the task at hand to then do that with yeah. a group of strangers can be hard yeah. And I also think that like, that's also part of what we're trying to accomplish at out in the wild is to, is to help people like walk up to that line that like can grow their, their, their zones of comfort, like to be able to really like step into something that's a little more uncomfortable in order to grow a little bit and, and kind of like face some fears or discomfort um, and like learn to trust people all that kind of stuff. It's definitely like a big part of what we're trying to do because rock climbing can be very therapeutic. Yeah. That's really cool. So what does a typical uh, event look like? You know, like what, how does that work? Right, right. So I started out in the wild with single day programs. Um, so they were programs that ranged from intro to rock climbing, outdoor climbing, basically just kind of people coming who have either only ever climbed in gyms or have never climbed at all before. And so we would meet up at Smith and basically teach people how to tie into the rope, how to belay. And then it was basically just like a fun day of rock climbing and then added some programs that were more geared towards technical skills like anchors and rappelling and trad climbing. Um, and then last year, uh, I was involved in this program that my friend Bree started called uh, the Climb Out Camp Out, which was a, a two-day weekend program that was more based around uh, community and, and some technical skills as well. Um, and so that was basically, a, we camped out at this private property and then went climbing two days in Joshua Tree National Park. And then this year, out in the wild took that program on um, because Brie ended up kind of having some exciting things happen in, in her life that she couldn't necessarily manage uh, 
the the program and so out in the wild took took that on and we did an out a climb out camp out in smith rock and at joshua tree and we made them three days and so this year what we did though is that we really um tried to push more of the technical skills so first day is like just a fun climbing day um as a big group and then the second day is more specifically technical skills clinics and then the third day is another fun day of rock climbing and so but then there's also like the time at camp and connecting and hanging out and it's a very like it's very organic we try to make it feel very organic and um a lot of time it's we're climbing but there's also a lot of time just like connecting with each other and hanging out and chatting and it's really really beautiful yeah and now do you have where do you where do you want to take it next like what's the next step i mean are you still just trying to get your it sounds like you're trying to get your footing still a little bit but but what's your dream like where do you want to be in like say five years with this uh yeah with your i guess like so i guess i can perfect world yeah exactly yeah Yeah. so okay so i started out in the wild with the hope that this company would become more of a cooperatively owned business a guide-owned cooperative basically my like vision for it is that out in the wild not only provides these programs for the lgbtq community um and uplifts them through our programming but also that this company can be something that uplifts the queer guides that exist in the world that have like fought really hard to be able to become the guides that they are like becoming a guide is pretty hard and um and takes some dedication and some bravery to step into this world that historically hasn't necessarily been the most welcoming or felt the most welcoming to folks in our community. So the idea is that the company would be a like kind of mutually beneficial company, one that supports the community and one that supports the guides. And um, so like, ultimately I don't want to be the sole owner of this company. I want it to be, um, cooperatively owned by all the folks that I work with. Um, and so that's the biggest goal of mine for the next five years is for this company to be a cooperative. Um, and with that, the hope is that we can have programs all over the country where each of the co-owners of this company live and, and play themselves. And so a big, another big problem in the industry is that while there now are quite a few queer guides. We're all scattered all over the place. There's no like hub of queer guides. I think Seattle probably is the biggest hub of queer guides right now that I know of at least. Um, and so that's the other issue is that it's hard for someone to start their own programming in each of these places because there's not a lot of resources. And so the hope is that we can all come together and help each other run programs kind of all over the place and, um, and grow in that way. Um, the other thing is that we started with rock climbing because rock climbing is my personal passion, but I would love to also start doing backpacking trips and rafting trips um, and just get people outside and, and do even more badass things. Um, and then additionally, this year, I'm excited because we are going to start doing youth programs, um, specifically climbing programs and hopefully a backpacking trip or two. And so, yeah, we're like trying to do it all, which is kind of a lot. And it's been a, and I also, I hoped that I would have gotten all of this stuff going in the last two years, but turns out that me as a person running all of this stuff, it's been really difficult. And so this past year though, um, this past fall, 
the guide team that I've been working with, uh, we've basically all, they all decided that they wanted to really join me and, and take on more responsibility. And so now I'm running this, not just as myself, but there's actually a team of, we're a team of seven now running this, um, which is really exciting because I needed the help and it also just feels a lot better to be doing this together rather than, um, just me solo. So that's what it's all about. So does your whole kind of co-op thing come from your organic farming days? Is that like, are you like taking the yeah. ideas from your, uh, you know, agriculture co-op and like, uh, and like imposing them on your, uh, <laughs> I think so a little bit. I think that just in general, I, I have, I have some issues with capitalism, you know, <laughs> I didn't want to call you a this... communist. I didn't want to just come out and call you a commie, but Hey, you know, yeah, you're going to admit like, to I, it. Yeah, if you're just going to come clean and, and, and do it. I'm not going to just straight up say that right now on this podcast, but if that's what being, if that's what I like hoping for a cooperative makes me, then that's what I am. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just, I guess, uh, I think that I just want to, I want, I want everyone to thrive basically. And so I think that this is the easiest way to get there. Um, and I think it's in our, this, these, <laughs> I don't even really, I'm not, a, I don't really know a lot. I don't really know how to talk a lot about this kind of stuff. I'm not very versed in talking about these kind of political ideas, but I will say that I think, that it's I, it's the way that I have the most hope for the future is is people coming together and building community and basically community over competition. Like I think that um, capitalism is kind of gross, and so I hope that this can be a way that we can maybe topple it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love that, Patrick. I need to like just get that hashtag like trending community over competition. I love it. Yes, one hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Very cool. So, what are some of the highs and lows of having started mm -hmm. this business? The highs and lows. I mean, the highs are definitely each and every program I've ever run. Um, and the lows are, are the days and weeks <laughs> leading up to those programs <laughs> because I get really, I've historically just gotten very stressed out, um, leading up to them because this is all something this it's all, it's each time I do something, it's something new so far. Like this past climb out camp out in Joshua tree isn't the only thing that I've, done twice yet so like that feels like I, every time i've run a program i've added something or i've changed something or i've done something brand new so i think that like it's just been really scary every time and so i've had very very stressful anxiety ridden moments and they've been really hard um, and I've almost quit multiple times. Severia knows I've talked about it with her. Um, and so, but, but then I do the program and I feel so fulfilled and it's so rewarding and it's so beautiful. And I feel like it's like all of my dreams are coming true at that. Like it, it yeah. inspires me to do the next thing. And so, um, yeah. I guess those are the highs and the lows. I think yeah. another high, actually, I'll say another high that I've experienced is um, just this past event that we did in Joshua Tree, the Climb Out Camp Out. It was our largest yet, and we had um, 
we ended up having 10 total guides and leaders for the program. Um, we had two mentee guides and then a guest guide, uh, Laura Sovereign, and then we also had a camp host. And it was just really special to work with that whole guide team because we've all developed relationships now and it was just really beautiful. Um, and I just think it's just like crazy to me that like for the last, you know, two years I've been just yearning or more than that, even yearning to, to work with other queer guides. And we've just grown into like a really thriving little crew of guides and we work so well together. And I think that that's probably been the biggest high yet of starting this company was this past program and just how successful it was and how much fun we all had. That, that sounds huge. I mean, you had 10 guides. How many, how like how many people did you have like attending the event total? A lot? <laughs> we only had, we, no, we only, we had, well, this is the funny part. We only had 22. Okay. So it was a crazy ratio, but, mm-hmm. um, but it was worth it. It was worth it. Um, you know, I, we had, we had six certified guides and then two mentee guides. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our guest guide lore, um, they came just for, uh, two of the days and taught a clinic on Saturday and then did a presentation Saturday night. And then our camp host was basically there to be the guide like at camp. And so that we, as the climbing guides could kind of just like take a, take a breath at the end of the day, because historically we're on from 7am until everyone goes to sleep. And that's kind of a lot. And so our friend Letty, who lives here and sisters, um, they actually were at our Smith rock event as a participant and they fell and they were so psyched about out in the wild that they were like, I, how can I get involved? What can I do? And so we brought them on to be our camp host, which we called our camp care bear position, but then they changed the (laughs) name to, they changed the name to camp daddy. So that's what, they're calling themselves. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. No, I think it's definitely important to have that so you can sort of take that break for sure. Yes. Very, very cool. So. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things you didn't mention on the, the stress and the lows of leading up to the events, you know, as event, uh, as a fellow event program person, you know, we were talking in like, it's just a hard time to do events because you'll have COVID cases mm-hmm. on the rise, you know, wildfires, smoke AQIs. Yep. Patrick and I were like frantically looking before his last event. I'm like, we were just like updating. We're like, what do you think? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to yeah. be fine. Which way are the winds going to shift? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it was hard wild. to I mean, all that planning. And I, yeah. 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 It was smoky yeah. until the day of our event and we decided to just risk it. And it ended up being beautiful that weekend in Smith. So, it was cool. <laughs> stressful though, very stressful. <laughs> now, now, are you able to do? Is this did, your only thing you're you're doing? Do you have to like? Do you have another job? Are you organic farming on the side, or are you able to? <laughs> have you been able to like make this like your you know your living yet, or is that yeah. is that still the progress? Um, no, um, <laughs> this has kind of been the crux of it all. Is that right now, Alan the Wild doesn't pay me. Um, or, or anyone else right now for any of the, the prep work or planning, we all, we all get paid for the guiding, um, which is nice, but, and it's mostly myself and, um, my friends, Soph Petros and Carlin Reynolds and Thomas Bukowski, who are doing all the behind the scenes work. Um, and thankfully they are all gracious enough to join me in 
doing this all as volunteers right now, um, which I really appreciate. And hopefully we can pay ourselves soon. Um, but I, I do a lot of side hustling. Um, I also work as a climbing guide for another company here in Smith Rock called Chalkstone Climbing Guides. Mm-hmm. I've been working for them for four years. Um, and I also uh, am an artist. Um, I do some wood burning um, art and make earrings. And then I actually, something that came from my farming days I also uh, work as a private chef doing some food prep, which I don't know, Chef Barry, did you know that about me? Is that, is that something that you know about? I did not know that about you. I've been kind of keeping it a little under the wraps, but yeah, but it's been, it's been the thing that's actually been like floating me for the last like six months, which has pretty, been pretty fun too. But yeah, I have to do a lot of things in order to survive to make this happen, which can be also be stressful at times, but we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. It yeah, like and he's are. underselling himself uh, on his artwork. His art <laughs> is amazing. So he's like, oh, I did some wood burning. They are these, like, beautiful, intricate, in, intricate, I can't even say intricate, like, designs of outdoor landscapes that are just stunning. So, um, yeah, we'll make, it, we'll make sure we put that link in the show notes to your sure. art yeah, stuff because yeah. it's stunning. Yeah. Hey, hey, Patrick, you mentioned uh, backpacking, which is another that's one of my passions as well. Mm-hmm. I know Jason likes to backpack. And uh, what are some of the favorite your favorite backpacking, your places to backpack mm. or you know, past backpacking trips you've taken? Right. That you, you know, you'd lo- love to go back and do again or you just want to hold it in your memory. Totally. Um, I think probably one of my favorites. So. Uh, the majority of the backpacking I've done has been in the Sierras um, from when I, back when I lived in Santa Cruz Um, and probably one of my favorite places that I've been three times is this place called Ivabel hot springs. I'm kind of a sucker for hot springs. Have you been there? I've been there. Yeah. And it's like, it's just such a special place. And um, it's been, what's really cool about it is that every time I've gone, I've gone in to it three different ways. Um, and so it's just been like a fun way to see that part of Sierras. And, um, I don't know. I just, that's probably, yeah, it's, that's probably my favorite spot to go. Um, and then otherwise, I mean, I've gone on some pretty epic backpacking trips in New Zealand. I traveled there in 2008, a long time ago. Um, and what's cool about there is that a lot of places you can sleep in a hut, which is really cool. Um, but, Gosh, I mean, probably I have a bell. It's my favorite spot that I've ever been. But just because it's not, I think just because it's going, backpacking to a remote hot spring is something very, very special that you can't really get in a lot of places. And um, I've had some really special time there where there haven't been very many people. It's been very quiet. Um, And I've just been there with really, really close friends. And so I think that, there's a lot of reasons why it's my favorite, but that's probably number one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty area because I like the hot springs. My recollection anyways, are, are kind of spread out all over the place, like yeah. over the hillside. So you can, it really is. You'd like, uh, I, I went there with some friends, a bunch of different friends and we were kind of split up on our way there and trying to like regroup once we got there was a little bit of a challenge, you know, because it's yeah. all over the hillside. So 
Totally. I remember one time we were like exploring there and we found this hot spring like way up at the top, like away from the meadow where most of the pools are. And it was just this beautiful, like rocky tub that like juts out underneath this massive tree. And you could just look at the whole valley from there. And we like freaked out. We were, yeah, it was. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Actually, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna bleep Just out kidding. a lot of that. Just, yeah, yeah. No, no. My I favorite place yeah. is bleep hot springs. You know, and, yeah. and then Jason and I are gonna plan a trip there. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, right, right. Um, I think one of my other favorite trips actually was to the Sawtooths um, to climb. Um, and it wasn't a very big backpacking trip. It was very short in comparison to most backpacking trips. But uh, we went to climb this um, at this place called the Elephant's Perch, which is um, this beautiful, beautiful piece of rock that's in the backcountry of the Sawtooths. But you can take a boat across, I think it's Redfish Lake, and then you hike in from there. And so just the whole experience of like taking a boat across the lake and then backpacking in and just kind of being out there. We were out there for like five days and climbed and that was really special as well. Yeah. The sawtooth loop has been on Jeff and our little nerd cruise uh, list for, for a couple of years now. We haven't been able to make it work, but we definitely want to go there and and, it's on the list. Yeah. I've been there. I've been to redfish Lake. It's, it's so beautiful there. It's it's a really beautiful spot. It is beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) So kind of a follow on to this, Patrick is, um, as you're starting up a business and you know doing this guiding and 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 you know hustling, doing all other kinds of other side projects to kind of make make it all work, how do you balance that with time for yourself and your own mm. personal adventure? Like you know you've got goals of things you want to do, places you want to visit, you want to climb, you want to backpack or whatever. How do you balance all that, or do you try to like blend it together so that? You know, you're doing the things you really want to do and you love to do, and it's part of a guided experience. So, you, you know, kind of best of both worlds. Yeah. I'm, I am currently on a journey to actually answer that question for myself because the it's been, like, yeah, maybe ask me in like three months because that's actually one of the things that I'm hoping to discover this winter. It's one of my projects for, for myself for the winter is to like fall back in love with rock climbing in particular, because I haven't really been able to rock climb as much as I want for myself this year. Um, it's been a bit of a, it's been a bit of a bummer, but also like worth it because out in the wild is so important to me and, and creating these programs is so important to me. Um, but it's taken a lot of my time from my own goals away. Um, especially because I have to do all these side hustles in order to, to make, just survive. Um, so this winter I'm planning on trying to figure that out and what that looks like and how I can have more balance because it's very important for this, for the, the future success of out in the wild. Cause I've realized that if, you know, if out in the wild doesn't let me continue to, to have my passion for rock climbing, then I have to figure out how to, how to make some changes so that I can still, do the things that I love on my own. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think that's a challenge, right? You know, like yes. when you're trying to, you know, uh, you're creating a business around the outdoors, and any business, whether regardless of what the industry or the you know the the genre is, it requires a lot of your own <clears throat> personal time. And totally, 
Totally. It's, it's sort of that dichotomy or that weird sort of conflict of like, hey, I love to be outdoors, but now it's now that it's a job. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a different it's a different animal. Yeah. I know, it's wild. And like I haven't gone backpacking in two or three years because wilderness therapy kind of I, it's just it, it made backpacking less fun. And so that's another thing that I hope this this summer I can also find the time and space to be able to fall back in love with backpacking. Cause it's, I used to, I mean, it's what I did of my free time. It was like rock climbing and backpacking every week. I would farm five days a week, like 10 hour days, be exhausted and then drive to the Sierras and either go rock climbing or backpacking. And it was, it was a fun wild life. I was also much younger then and my body could handle all of that. But um, yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, the, maybe, the, maybe we could do another podcast on how I just how I discovered how to find the balance in next year. <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll, yeah. You and me, you and me both. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a common thing, though. I, I think this podcast consistently has proven that whole cliche about do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life is complete BS. Because, yep. like, if you really you know love the outdoors, like the last thing you should ever do is something in the like work related in the outdoors. Because all you're going to do is make it very hard for you to spend time in the outdoors. Yeah, or, and exactly. when you do do it, it's not for you, right? It's for other people, or it's for right, people. right, um, totally, yeah, <laughs> totally. I don't know. I personally think it's worth it. Oh, there you go. Okay, it's good. hard. Hey. It's, yeah. No, it's hard. Hey. It does. I mean, it's hard though because it's you know you spend all your time facilitating getting others to get outdoors and providing that experience, and also you're like, wait, but I haven't been out in three weeks, or I'm learning yeah. how to do all these things. But yeah, you seem to have no, found some balance, though. I mean, you went on some like rad trips this fall. I feel like I saw, right? in fact, just Didn't this you? week, were you not like cross country skiing? Your Instagram outed oh, you as <laughs> well, falling out on my butt. Yeah, yeah falling okay. on my butt this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that was great. Yeah, but I mean. But I think it's, I think the difference is, um, those are like planned committed trips with like other people, mm. which, and so they kind of, it's something that gets calendared and it gets, that time gets set aside and you're like, okay, this is, you know, in some cases money is put down, you know, you're like, okay, I'm committed, but it's more that kind of day to day. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's more the, um, getting up, you know, finding time during the week or like just casually on the weekend. Cause I think as a solopreneur, and somebody who has multiple hustles as Patrick does, there's that feeling of like, there's, there's always something I could or should be doing. Yeah. Right. So I think it's more yep. that kind of that day-to-day -day integration of it into your life versus like setting aside the time. And of course on Instagram, we only post the things we do like that are fun. I'm not posting all of the, you know, hours and hours <laughs> right. and hours sit in front of my computer trying to figure out Google or Facebook ad yeah. sets with Jeff or yes, you know, how to yes. make another how to make yeah. another Canva graphic. You know, yeah, God forbid exactly. I need videos now for instance. Look at me doing media. my taxes, right? Yeah. Yeah, yay. Yeah, right. Right. Look at me hiring a bookkeeper. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> yeah. I should put that on Instagram. So one question, obviously yeah. climbing is something that involves like a lot of gear. I mean, is that, mm -hmm. do you own the gear? Do you provide the gear? How have you managed to do that? I mean, yeah, you yeah. had to come up with the money to, you know, purchase ropes and harnesses and all that for people. Yeah. So we've been lucky enough that uh, Black Diamond actually has supported us. Oh, um, and we have um, a fleet of harnesses and helmets from them. Um, ropes we have had to buy ourselves. Um, but thankfully we get pretty good pro deals for that kind of stuff. Um, 
And then shoes, um, I actually, Scarpa is a big supporter of Out in the Wild. And so at all of our events, um, they come and do a shoe demo for us. And so our participants get to basically rent shoes for, for the weekend um, or demo the shoes. Um, and um, that's been a really great relationship to have with them because it helps us not have to buy our own fleet of shoes. Um, so, yeah. So, and then otherwise all the other gear, like anchoring materials, quick draws, um, all that kind of stuff. That's all uh, the guides use our own gear for that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's cool though. I mean, it's, it's good to hear at least that wasn't, you know, you didn't have to raise whatever tens of thousands of dollars. It probably would have yeah. cost to, you know, come up with all that so that's that's fantastic yeah. possibly eventually we might have to do that but right now so the brands have been very 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 supportive and helpful in that way you you mentioned that you were you're trying or you had started doing youth programs um like mm-hmm. where where are those and like like what age groups and and if yeah. people are interested in getting their kids out how, uh, how would they do that so we are starting them this june and um my colleagues raya and uh sam are designing the youth programs currently. Um, they're going to be the court, like the youth program coordinators. And so the hope is at this June and July to do some two, two rock climbing camps. One that's more geared towards more advanced climbers. Um, there's actually quite, um, a lot of, uh, queer youth who are on climbing teams at climbing gyms already that we've learned about. Um, we actually ended up having, a 13 year old come to our climb out camp out at Smith rock because their dad thought that it was a youth camp, (laughs) but it was an adult, it was an adult event, but it was very, it was actually really sweet. He was like extremely supportive and was just like, you need to start youth programs. Like, how can I help you make this happen? Cause, um, so it's pretty cool. Like there are, there's, there are quite a lot of, uh, folks who want more advanced programs. And then we're also going to do some more like intro level, more like fun climbing, like hiking kind of weekend or uh, like week long camps with the youth this summer as well. And then we're currently working on trying to figure out how to acquire permits for national forest to do backpacking trips. But that's a little bit more complicated um, because the land managers are, it's a lot harder to just get to get those permits. (laughs) So it's very easy to guide at Smith rock. It's very hard to guide in the three sisters wilderness. So we'll see what happens. That's great. <laughs> well, yeah. not, not that it's hard, but I think that's hard for everyone to get. I mean, those, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the backpacking th- stuff is quite, yeah. <laughs> another, another exciting thing is that I'm, I've been in touch with, um, the local gay straight Alliance groups at sisters high school. And then also have been talking with another teacher from Ben Lapine school district. And hopefully we will also be able to run some more like day programs in the spring with those groups. Um, and yeah, super excited just to be connected to the local school districts as well. And, and hopefully be able to, to get some of the queer youth out climbing. Very cool. And um, in the dream world, what, what would happen to sort of make all of these things come true? <laughs> You know, like all of, I know, <laughs> like, would it be $1 I mean, million? Like, dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but maybe um, there's somebody listening on the podcast, you know, is it, is it corporate yeah. sponsorships? Is it, you know, is it a benefactor? Like what are, are you, yeah. and I forgot, are you a nonprofit or are you so, still a for-profit? Yeah. So we are a for-profit currently and, and I've, I've felt, and I think the whole team feels this way for the most part. 
as well. Now, I think I know that most of them feel this way, that we really want to remain a for profit because of this idea that like we we want the folks who are running these programs to thrive. And like and I think that like there's this whole idea around nonprofits that like, you know, we, we can run these programs and, and get grants and all of these things, but that there's always this um I think I feel like with nonprofits, there can become a sense of like there becomes like a scarcity mindset where you're constantly like working really hard to just find funding, which can be really crucial to run these kinds of programs. But it can also create a culture around um, like people sacrificing and like volunteering (laughs) and um, like sacrificing their lives or volunteering or we are for profit because we are hoping that folks will. My God, how I, I struggle talking about this to be completely honest. Um, because I feel like there's a lot of pressure to be a nonprofit, and the the hope is that we can be a company that is a cooperative, whereas all of the owners of the company can share in the profits of it and that we as queer community members can thrive rather than constantly struggling to find grants and, and volunteering our time to make this happen. And because I think that we deserve to thrive just as much as as the Jeff Bezos is in the world, maybe not that much thriving, but, um, and I think that the other part of it, well, yeah, let's, I'm sorry that this is so jumbled. This no, is a hard thing for me to talk about because. Well, I mean, I don't know if this, it sounds like you want it to be a career. You want it to be a job. You want it to be something. You want it yeah. to be something that's like, I, I, legitimate isn't the right word either. So I'm struggling, but you know what I mean? You want this to be a yeah. job. You want this to be a career, like a regular guiding service. You don't want this to be right. dependent on charity and you don't want it to be. Right. sort of seen in that way in that light is that, right is exactly that, yeah. yeah like i think that i i want to move away from like the lgbtq community like being a quote-unquote charity that like sure. we need people to to like give us money to make things happen because i think that like we can support each other like this company is for the queer community to support each other and to support themselves so it's like we're providing this service that we think is really valuable and hopefully we can convince the members of our community to see that value and want to spend their money to support us as the people leading these trips and the people educating folks. And, um, I think that that's really cool. Um, but also the problem is, is that I think that we haven't really gotten to the point where, people are are psyched to i think that people are still just like uncertain about coming to our programs i think people are still like is this what i do i want to spend my money on this is this something that i'll feel comfortable and safe in um and so like this past year for our smith rock program we had only nine people pay to come but we had 35 applicants for our scholarship program and for joshua tree we had we had 16 people pay and we had 45 applicants for our scholarships. Um, so there's a lot of information there. And so lately we've been kind of being like, do we become a nonprofit? Is this, is this, 
the route that we need to go down in order to make our programs more accessible. Um, the other option and what I've, what I would love to, to really figure out is how to work with brands to help, um, make these programs more accessible through brand sponsorship. But I think in order for that to happen, we have to build more of a following because, you know, that's, that's a lot of what brands are looking for is if you're not a nonprofit, then they want to, they want to use their marketing dollars and, but marketing dollars, they really want to make sure that their product and their brand is being seen if they're going to give us money to do the things that we're doing. So we're still trying to figure it out. It's very, it feels very complicated and complex. So I think the things in a dream world would be if someone is really good at marketing and wants to help us figure out how to market ourselves better so that we can build a, a larger following or two, if someone, yeah, if someone has a million dollars or less or a couple, couple thousand dollars or tens of thousands of dollars to help invest in what we're doing, that would be really helpful as well. <laughs> um, but I think the biggest thing is just like visibility. I think we just need to find a way to be more visible so that people know what we're doing and so that we can um, get more people to pay for our programs and, and, or, and, or apply for scholarships. Like, I mean, I would love to get to the point where we do have enough money to be able to give more than 30 or more than four or five scholarships so that we can accept more of those 35 or 45 applicants into our programs, because I think it is important to meet people where they're at and make it more accessible in that way. So, um, yeah. So more visibility and more, and maybe some investors would be wonderful. That'd make things feel a lot easier. So I guess, you know, again, you're saying people are reluctant to spend their money or, or are reluctant to, to try it. I mean, maybe make a pitch, <clears throat> pitch, make a pitch to those people. You know, what does it mean to you yeah. in your life? How has it helped you in your life? Why should they spend right. their hard-earned dollars that, you know, you know, in the capital that they earn in the cap awful capitalist world ongoing and like climbing at Smith rock totally. or going out to Joshua tree and hanging out with you. Totally. And I mean, I think that like, I think that the, the issue really lies in just the fact that rock climbing is not, it's not like a part of queer culture. And so I think that people are just like, huh, you know, like, and so like, yeah, of course, like maybe someone like might have the money to pay for something, but maybe they don't, Maybe they're just like, I'd rather get a scholarship because I don't know if I'm going to, if this is going to be a beneficial experience for me. And so I, I, I get it. And I also am trying to convince brands of this fact as well. Cause I think that a lot of people don't really think about it in that way. You know, I think people, when people think about like funding scholarships and stuff like that, um, they think about the idea that people just don't have enough money to pay for something. But I think that there's another aspect of this where like for marginalized communities, like things aren't accessible financially because it's not something that they feel comfortable paying for. Because I think that like, yeah, people have felt excluded from these spaces for years, for decades, <laughs> years, for hundreds of years. <laughs> and so like, how, how can we support folks to feel more comfortable? Like maybe that is like, making it more accept making it more accessible financially, even for folks who maybe like are more in the middle range where they could afford it, but just are like, no, 
that's not something that I'm going to spend my money on because so I it's might like, be unsafe there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like reducing, reducing barriers to getting yes. people to participate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you have anything planned for the winter without in the wild or yeah. What are, what do you have coming up? Um, so this winter, we don't have anything on the schedule yet, but the hope is to host some Nordic ski meetups and snowshoeing events. Um, and then hopefully for winter pride this year, uh, which is an event that happens every year in Bend in March. Um, I'd love to do more of just a community event in town. Um, maybe have um, one of our pro athlete, queer pro athlete friends come and give a talk. Um, but that's still to be determined. But the Nordic ski meetups and snowshoeing is definitely going to be on the docket for January and February after the holidays. Great. Well, and so yeah. say you want to sign up for one of these things. How can people find you? What, what, what's the best way to search you? Right. Or they want to write you a check for a million dollars, you know, to keep this <laughs> going. How, how, uh, what's the best way for people to see you, follow you, get in touch with you, and, you know, help you guys get yeah, more yeah. awareness? So um, you can go to outinthewild.org um, is our website. And then our Instagram is out underscore in the wild. Um, and pretty much all the marketing that we do right now is via Instagram. So um, definitely follow us on Instagram to learn about all the different programs that were, are coming up. Um, and then we also do have a GoFundMe um, that you can get to that link via our Instagram. Um, but we are raising money basically to help conti just continue all the programs that we're doing. Um, and we started it on Giving Tuesday. And so, um, yeah, if you are if you are interested in donating, you can go through that way. Um, or you could reach out to me via um, the website um, or my email is patrick at outinthewild.org as well. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Patrick. I mean, I think it's really cool what you're doing and I know you're struggling right now, but I mean, you know, I'm certainly rooting for you and I, and I hope you're able to, thanks. you know, get it up and running and, you know. I do just want to say one thing that like, while it is hard, starting a business is just, is just straight up hard and it has been, a struggle and I have been, it, we are struggling to get it to be um, like financially viable, but it is just like also just the funnest, coolest thing in the world. And we're like also psyched to continue doing it. And for now it's completely worth the struggle. Um, and I think it will be for a while still. So I think that thankfully we have a team of guys that are really supportive and, um, and we all love each other and are really supportive of each other. And so I think that we're going to be able to keep doing this for a while, but hopefully eventually we will be able to get paid for it, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, well, thanks. Thanks for coming on Patrick. And again, I also hope you, you find your love for backpacking and, and climbing again too. You know? Oh yes. So get out there it will and happen. Sure do that. All right. <laughs> it will happen. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us. Please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast and follow us on social media. On Instagram at almostthere underscore AP or the Almost There Adventure podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to support us financially, you can subscribe to our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash ATAP. You can find Severia at Adventure Us Women, that's Adventure US Women, Jeff at The SoCal Hiker, or me at The Muir Project. Our title track, Almost There, is performed by Opus Orange and is provided courtesy of Emoto. For more about this episode and all of our others, make sure to check out our show notes on our website, almostthereadventurepodcast.com. 
On the next episode, we talk to a whole family, including our youngest guest ever. As always, thanks for listening. 